would he have said about Rosa Parks? Rosa Parks should never have gone to the front of the bus. According to the CIA, had these authorities been in place more than a decade ago, they would likely, likely have prevented 9-11. I don't even say beyond what I've said. We are not uh, you know, going back to do a retroactive uh, examination of, of, each of, those, of each of those cases. Has this, however, detracted from your joy of winning the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Mummy! Mummy! Mama! Mama! What? Hi. <laughs> well, all, all I can only mean the doyen of the Republican Party, <laughs> Michael Graham. And by the way, I'm having more fun in uh, Europe today than uh, President Obama's good friend David Axelrod, who worked on the labor campaign for Miliband and had just as much success in England as Team Obama did in Israel and as much as they did here in the 2014 elections. I'm starting to like this Obama presidency. The longer he's around, the more conservative governments we get. Now, um I, I well, there, there was a couple of points you made in that piece of audio to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of them being about presumably this this uh, m- uh, cartoon of Muhammad, which, right. which in, in Dallas. Remind me what happened there. Okay, here's what happened. In January, a group of uh, Muslims got together at this facility in Texas to have a I Stand with the Prophet rally in which they advocated uh, anti-blasphemy laws for the United States, among other things. And so another group that really hates anti-blasphemy laws, and yes, they are very uh, antagonistic towards Muslims too. I'm not going to hide that. But they were they said, well, if you're going to do this here, we're going to come back at the earliest possible date and have a draw, draw Muhammad cartoon to remind you that you're in America and we don't pass laws against free speech. So the people get together. It was a ticketed event. You had to actually go in to see the pictures, and that's key because they weren't out you know, at a mosque throwing pictures at people. They weren't out on the sidewalk bothering people. You had to go in to see these drawings of Muhammad. And two uh, Muslims showed up with uh, AK-47s, jumped out of the car, started shooting, and uh, they were both fortunately killed by a police officer. And so the only people who died were the bad guys. That's the good news. The bad news is the horrific headline from the Associated Press uh, about the organizer who says, quote, she has no regrets about cartoon contest that ended in two deaths. What an interesting way to phrase it. Yes, it did end in two deaths. The deaths of the killers who showed up to kill people. They died because the media here are beating the crap out of the cartoonist anti-Muslim people instead of out of the whack job Islamists. I mean, one one of the things, of course, about this is you could Mm -hmm. well say, look, let's have not like Charlie Hebdo or or um, let's or or Dallas. Let's Mm -hmm. not do cartoons because it's going to incite people to violence. But in fact, by definition, what you're saying is that we are going to give in to violence if we don't do this. If we turn around and say, no, we're not going to have cartoons and we're not going have books and we're not going to have this and we're not going to have that for fear that some, to quote you, whack job is going to actually kill people, then we are actually giving in to the terrorists. Absolutely. And what bothers me, George, is that the people in the media 
who are doing this. Another headline for the Washington Post is that the organizer offered no apology after thwarted attack. What, is she supposed to apologize that they weren't able to get in and kill her? Oh, I'm so sorry. Next time I'll stand in front of your bullets. Would that help? This is the fundamental premise of a free society is the free exchange of ideas. And the media are the ones who are throwing oh, these okay. these people under the bus. Now, there was another clip there in which it said they mm-hmm. asked this fella and they said to him, does this spoil the Super Bowl for you? Right. And he says, no, it didn't. No. This is your man, Tom Brady. My man, Tom Brady, the New yeah. England Patriots. The He's NFL, a cheat, yes? The, the NFL, He's the a real cheat. football. Is that the right? real football. Well, uh, do we have a phrase in the southern American states for NASCAR, you know, car racing? Then the phrase is, rubbing is racing. In other words, you know, trying to get the edge on your opponent, maybe a bounce here or there that's not technically according to the according to Hoyle is how you win. Uh, it, the, uh, the phrase in baseball is, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And so Tom Brady, the rules are that the ball has to be inflated to a certain pounds per square inch. And I have no idea if this is relevant in rugby, George, but it apparently is relevant uh, in football. It is, and I'll tell you in a minute why. Go and on. his, his uh, Tom Brady's balls were too soft. Well, his balls were too soft, were they? Yes, they were. That's pretty sore. I I know somebody whose balls were too soft, and it was very (laughs) sore. Was Brady in pain? So anyway, so uh, the, the, the league had a huge investigation, 227 pages, in which they say the two guys responsible for the equipment definitely manipulated the balls. And we think Tom Brady knew about it, but we can't prove it. And so that's where we are. You know right, what, okay. you know, and you know what that makes Tom Brady? World champ, baby! That's right. <laughs> Super Bowl champ. And by the way, just so people know, the game that they're talking about, which is what contested, was not the final game. By that point, this had all blown up and you know, people were winning. And the, the balls ball were blown minutes. up as well. The balls were blown up perfectly. The balls were nice and hard, like, like you're supposed to. But it was the game before. But, the the right. Patriots won by... Four, I think it was four touchdowns. Okay. I mean, the Patriots just dominated. So no one is saying the Patriots won a game that mattered because okay. of this. All right. But that's where but, you're But, uh, you, you know, you're not... Did he rude. break the rules? It appears that the rules no. were broken. Will you but listen you know, for George, a second? Will you listen? Okay. I will listen. There is no guy who plays rugby would want the ball soft because it would be harder to kick, it would be harder to pass and so on. So a a rugby player would want the ball inflated to its fullest, right? Why would an American footballer want a softer ball? What's the the cheating advantage, if you like, to having the ball soft? The debate, George, I shall not concede accede to your assertion about cheating, but uh, the theory is you can grip the ball better for accurate passing if the ball has a little bit of give. And once we're talking about a pound per square inch. So there have right, been 50 okay. studies now. The average person could barely tell the difference, you know what I'm saying, with the pound. But, okay. but you have a little extra grip. And then also, and this is, this is actually the most, I think, the most damning thing. The Patriots had the lowest number of fumbles of any team in the NFL okay. by far. And the theory is that you can hold the ball better. You know, when you're running and someone's tackling you and they're stripping at the ball, you can hold it better. So that's the argument. I will uh, say, however, that other quarterbacks have stepped up and they said just what you said, which is if I have a fully inflated ball, I get a little more zip on it, a little throw okay. better for distance. Right. So it's just a matter of personal preference to a degree. Now, I was at the cricket this morning, Ireland against uh-huh. England. Cricket is a game that is played at a faster pace than baseball. But... Who did I meet who very kindly came over to say hello? The President of Ireland. 
Mr. Our good friend. President Muggley Higgins, and he asked fondly after you. <laughs> I'm sure he did. And he said that he recently was at a major academic dinner in America, hosted mm-hmm. by the president of Harvard, and the president of Harvard said, I've heard you on the radio. <laughs> Very interesting. So, so Michael, you're, you're big in the Ivy League, which is way out of your intellectual league, but nevertheless, you're big in the Ivy League. Glad, glad to hear. But he sends you his best wishes, the president of Ireland. That's very, very, now, very kind of him. You, you, you tend to refer to us as Euro weenies because yes, during the week I was also on with another. Uh, Sparring partner of yours, Senator David Norris, who used to Mm -hmm. take you on this program. Yes. And he reminded you that me that you called him a Euroweenie. The Euroweenies of Sweden and these kind of places, they're Mm -hmm. they're, they're they want to plan for Europe, basically, is that the mother and the father, like, kind of get a year off between them Mm -hmm. uh, on the birth of the child so they can. A bond with the infant, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on bonding with infants? Well, I'm happy to answer that question, but I'd like to start, and this is so unfair, by asking you a question. If someone had given you the options, George, of either A, spending all day at home with your kids seven days a week when they were, you know, two to ten years old, or B, being beaten, being beaten regularly with a large stick, which one would you have taken? Beaten regularly with a Absolutely. large stick. Absolutely. I, you know, I never agree with that British nitwit, uh, what's his name, who's on CNN over here. Pierce Morgan. Yeah, yeah. but you know, he said the other day that uh, dads do not want to be paid to stay home because after an hour you want to pull your hair out. And so that's the biological answer is you know, women have all these drugs pouring through their body that make the cries of a child bearable. Guys don't. We do not have these whatever, estrogen, pheromones, whatever the heck it is. And so it's tough for us. Can I, that, I have a question. Can sure. I assume that mm. your daughter, who I've met, yes. your lovely yes. daughter. Yes, Alex, my lovely daughter. Yeah. Now, when Alex was not to six months, yes. you didn't spend every day changing her nappies no. and all that sort of stuff. I was like every guy I know looking for every... Honey, can I run out and get you something? Honey, can I, oh, I got to go to work again, okay, honey. Question. What about the car's on fire? But question. as far as illegality... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. Question. Yes. Do you think that your bonding with Alex is any the less because you weren't there not to six months. No, I, I, I really don't. And, uh, you know, it's we moms and dads have different relationships with their kids. And you know, I, I know some parents who they have announced essentially upon becoming parents, my life is over. I'm now going to live essentially as a servant to my kids. And that's a big movement here in the States, by the way, George, uh, is this kind of, you know, parental servitude. You've heard the phrase helicopter parents where you hover over your child. Well, what you forget is to fly that helicopter, you know, metaphorically speaking, you've got to abandon everything else you were doing. And that's a movement here. And, and the evidence is that that does not help kids. And my anecdotal evidence is that the children of parents I know and, and, and my peers are now having, you know, they have teenagers and young college people. They do not, the, the relationships are not 
you know, any better at, at, to, to be kind about it than the parents who had a more traditional look. I'm your dad. I'm here when you need me. You know, we're going to do stuff together, you know, after school. I'm going to help you with the homework weekends, but we're not going to live like we're buddies. We're not going to hang together. I'm here to be the dad. You're here to be the kid. You seem to get better results with that model of parenting. All right. Uh, thank you as always for joining me. Can't wait for next week. Michael Graham, live from Atlanta, Georgia. And I do have a listener who disagrees with Michael, who says he's talking SH1T again. Women do not find babies' cries bearable because of hormones. They, nobody finds babies crying bearable. More bearable, I think, is the point. Women are better at dealing with it. And of that, there is no doubt.